we've all heard the excuses, Pastor, we're just not being fed here anymore. Or we feel that it's time for a change and God is leading us somewhere else. You know, this church has nothing to offer my kids anymore, and we want to go somewhere where they're going to like the youth pastor, and they're going to be around their friends. And and then maybe this excuse, the worship pastor down at so-and-so church, man, he is just so talented, and the music here, it's just not doing it for me anymore. The Four Horsemen. What you have here is the Four Horsemen, united, live and exciting color. Um, not those Four Horsemen. These four horsemen discuss theology from different viewpoints, different perspectives, as we show people how to have discussions without turning into a keyboard warrior. Are you stupid? Now, here's Dennis Thurman, Adam Black, Benjamin Kerfman, and Derek McCarson, the four horsemen. If you've been in ministry, you know, for even a short time, you've had to deal with the painful reality of church members leaving for greener grass somewhere else. And let's face it, we live in a disposable culture that's driven by consumerism. Uh, people are only willing to stay loyal with a brand or product so long as it meets their needs or their desires or it's convenient for them. And the sad reality is that much of that ideology has seeped into our churches as well. Uh, the slightest mismatch of preferences or even the smallest discomfort can cause somebody to be a church shopper where they are scouring the churches out there for the elusive perfect fit. So it seems like uh, there's a revolving door on the front of the church and and times there's an open back door. Um, people come and people go. It's kind of like what I heard one preacher say a while back. He said, uh, people get on the bus and people get off the bus and I just keep driving the bus. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, sometimes you feel like that as a, as a pastor. So with that being said, that's our topic uh, for this session of the Four Horsemen. Uh, my name is Derek McCarson, pastor at Liberty Baptist Church in Candler, North Carolina. And I'm joined by my good friends and brothers in Christ. I've got Adam Black. Uh, Pastor Dennis Thurman and Benjamin Kerfman with me tonight. We're going to be talking about what do we do when church members decide to leave. Now, I know some of you out there might say, well, we just need to adopt the Matthew 10, 14 principle where Jesus says, you know, if anyone will not welcome you or listen to your words, then uh, just wipe the dust off your feet and go to the next town. Amen. Just uh, let it go. Sounds strangely biblical. Yeah, forget <laughs> about it. Move on. But if you've been in ministry, you know that the problem is it's not that easy, especially if you're a pastor who genuinely loves and cares for the flock. Um, if you've seen people, if you've seen people leave your church, no matter what the reason, it always hurts. And I'm sure I can speak for you guys in this manner as well. Uh, you take it personally. Because it's a reflection on your leadership. So when people leave, it can sting for a while. Um, and of course, Jesus experienced this as well. Uh, his disciples left him at the hour in which he needed them the most. So we're going to dive into this topic here in a few minutes. Um, but inherent to this are all kinds of other n- interesting issues. Uh, what does church membership mean today, especially in this age of? non-commitment. 
Uh, we're going to talk about why do people leave churches, whether those reasons are legitimate or whether they're completely bogus. Uh, to what degree are we responsible as pastors for uh, reconciling with problem church members and trying to keep people? Uh, so we're going to hope to dissect these questions and offer you guys and gals out there listening some practical support as we invest, investigate and navigate this thorny issue. So without further introduction, let's get some background. I'm going to start with my brother, uh, Pastor Dennis, over here. Now, my good sir, you have been in ministry longer than anyone in this room has been alive. Yes, I, yes, I have, <laughs> so, <city> boy. <laughs> so out of your vast reservoir of knowledge and experience, um, tell us, is this a recent phenomenon of people uh, changing churches and church membership not meaning a lot and p losing members and so on? Or is this something that has been a perennial problem? It's always been around as long as the church has been. What's your experience been? Well, certainly it's always been around to some degree. I mean, Paul says, Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present age. But in terms of the mobility of people, it is a more recent development. Uh, there was a time that Pole Creek, for example, uh, in Liberty and Westwood and Barberville were churches built around the community of the people that lived there in close proximity. Uh, a lot of times they didn't have the means to travel. They certainly didn't have the Internet to tune in and listen to some hotshot preacher somewhere or some great music ministry somewhere and all those other sorts of things. And so their world was uh, quite small and centered upon that particular locale. And so you had, quote, local churches. Uh, but as time's gone on, the uh, availability of transportation, the means to do that, to explore the wealth of connections that people have, uh, conversations at work and all those sorts of things, it's just an entirely different age, entirely different mindset. We are a spoiled people in America. You know, I'll hear some, from some of our missionary friends in India and other places like that, and they talk about getting on a bus packed with people to ride for miles for, you know, half a day out into a jungle somewhere to get together uh, with folks uh, for worship. And, uh, you know, for us, it's just uh, easy. You know, we can get up, and if we don't feel good, we can, uh, you know, turn on the the internet and watch some service on, on there. And so, you know, it is a, a more recent phenomenon. It's a, a an American uh, phenomenon, I think uh, more so, but, but let me say this to you and out of my reservoir of knowledge, um, you're always going to lose people. And the first thing you need to do is just accept it. It's going to happen. Um, John Maxwell said, you can't lead people if you need people. Uh, you can't let them and their opinions sway you and where you believe God's uh, directing you. If you try to please everybody, it's the surest way to upset a lot of people. Right. Uh, you've got to be a man uh, of conviction. So people are going to die. I mean, I think uh, 20 plus years here at Pole Creek, if I get out and I look through old church directories and see the list of names of strong, faithful leaders in the church, People that made a difference, and they're they're gone to heaven. And there's nothing I can do about that. I can say, "Oh, please don't die," but they do. They do. So you're gonna lose people because they die. Some uh, very effective servants of the Lord uh, got transferred on their jobs, so they had to move to other places. 
So they relocated geographically. They weren't mad. They weren't upset. They they just moved. So you're going to lose people that way. And then there are folks that will get upset. You might as well accept it. It's going to happen. But not everybody that leaves is upset with you. Some of them have a, a real issue with God that they don't want to deal with. It may be trouble in their home. It might be an issue of pornography. It might be some other matter, uh, alcohol, drugs, some life-dominating problem, something that they're just too uncomfortable to sit there, and so they migrate somewhere else. And maybe if they want to get their little spiritual fix in, uh, seek the anonymity of a, a much larger ministry. And then, of course, we do upset folks, and I know we'll talk more about what you do in that situation. But, but that's that's what I would say. Just accept the fact it's going to happen, and yes, it hurts. You do take it personally. I do every time, and I don't say how you can help, but that do that if you if you love the sheep. And I think Jesus said we need to care about them. Amen. So, kind of a, a side point that comes off of your comments there is that you really have to be winning a certain number of people to the Lord and uh, having people come into your church just to maintain your head above water because you're going to be losing people naturally, whether it be through death or uh, them having job change or whatever the case might be. So good points, uh, Pastor Dennis. But I want to talk to you, Adam, right now because I know that in your uh, recent um, year of ministry, uh, you guys have talked a lot about church membership uh, you've and you've emphasized... Uh, that to your people. So let's talk about, Adam, for a minute. What does church membership mean today in this age of non-commitment where people want to be able to pick up and go and um, so on? I think church membership, um, it means something. And I think that uh, from my study and trying to work our bylaws and, and trying to fix it, our membership, I wanted us to be biblical. So you wanted to be a member of the body and a functioning member of the body. And, um, but the way that I've kind of described church membership to our people and that they've voted on and what we're doing now is that basically church membership, um, basically states that you can count on me to help fulfill the mission of the church. And, you know, we've got a covenant. It's going to be a yearly thing that people sign. Now that's a critical word there. It's a biblical word, covenant, right, that right. maybe a lot of regular church people aren't familiar with. So through richer, poor, through sickness and in health, that gotcha. you're you're with us, yeah. you know, regardless. For this year, and we we're doing it on a yearly basis. For this year, you can fully count on me, and we list some ways that they can be counted on, and it's nothing crazy. Um, it's scriptural stuff. But, you know, one of the big things for me that, that I, as I studied and saw how other churches did things, one of the things that I wanted to uh, connect with membership was service. And so I wanted to, if you're going to be a member of our church, you're going to serve and in, 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 in using your gifts. And so we've got, we created some ministry teams that, that each member can pick what ministry team they'd like to serve on. And I think that that's one thing that churches have struggled with. And I, I guess the larger you get, the harder it would get. Um, but that you want a connection with service and membership in the sense of saying, well, as a member, you just need to serve. Well, you want to give them avenues to serve. 
Um, not just say, we hope you serve, but this is where I'm going to serve. And this is where I can be counted on. And, you know, our, our stuff is hospitality, cooking, uh, bereavement type stuff. If somebody dies and, you know, uh, cook a meal, we have hospitality, mm-hmm. um, greeting. Uh, we got a care team. People write cards. Um, so it, music, um, audio visual. So there's, there's somewhere for someone to serve in our church. Mm-hmm. But I think the problem has been with church membership is that it hadn't meant anything other right. than just kind of a name. Um, Come down here, run, I walk the aisle and sign this card. Right. I mean, yeah. our church, we're, we're averaging now about 50 people and we had close to 350 people on our, on our membership role. When I got there, we had, I don't remember the exact number. We had 50 or 60 people who had died. Well, the problem with that is they were still on the roll. Mm-hmm. But they had fallen through the cracks. Right. And so we. Hopefully none of them were still sitting in the pew. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but the, so many of them had fallen through the cracks. So one of the things we implemented with our covenant is a member in care, someone who would be considered a shut in. And so the whole point of that is, is they don't fall through the cracks and we will care for them. And um, so, but that's, that's the way, in the simplest way I can put it is to define membership is that you can be counted on to help fulfill the mission of the church. Yeah, that's really good, Adam. And and if I I can add to that, it's actually a very positive thing in terms of keeping those people in your congregation and closing that back door is that when people feel that they're valued, that they're contributing something, they've they've made a connection. And, and, and we talk about reaching younger folks, you know, a lot of that, those millennials and others that we're having difficulty reaching, uh, they don't want to just come and sit and listen. They right. want to do something. So mm-hmm. if you can't give them something to connect with, which again is extremely <laughs> biblical, that we're saved to serve. You know, Paul gets converted on the Damascus Road. First thing out of his mouth is, "Lord, what do you want me to do?" Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and he got busy doing it all of his life. So, so I think that's that's a real critical need to keep those new folks connected and assimilated is to connect them to a service. Well, and I've even, I've told our people through the multiple meetings that we've had that if you can't be counted on, do not sign. And I said, it's okay if you sign next year, if you're in a season of life in which you, you can't be counted on, don't, there's nothing wrong with that. Mm -hmm. I'd rather you be honest and, 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 and say, well, I can't be, you can still come and still participate but i just need to know who's who's in it with me for right now right. and so all that's really good guys um but i want to turn to my friends sitting at the head of the table mr benjamin kerfman ben um i know that you guys have fought some battles at barberville and um you've you've had to see people leave just as i have mm-hmm. and and all of us really but let's talk uh, for a minute ben about why do people leave church um adam mentioned the covenant the membership covenant and, mm-hmm. and in some way i kind of feel like that uh, maybe people leave the church because they feel that the leadership of the church or the deacons or whoever has failed to keep up their end of that covenant and that may be one reason but talk to us for a minute about in your experience uh, why do we see such huge turnover in church why do people leave I think in, in some cases there may be uh, legitimate reasons, like Dennis mentioned, uh, things like relocation. I mean, we had a family recently that attended our church for a while that uh, was formerly Presbyterian. And after a few months of talking to them, they just felt really convicted that they were Presbyterian. And so uh, we recommended a good Presbyterian church to them that we knew that was 
uh, a gospel preaching church and and we said listen we understand um if that's your convictions that we don't feel like that's a salvation issue or um some kind of major uh major problem and so we understand if if you need to go and do that and they decided to do that in that case i consider that a legitimate you know reason uh to leave because that became their conviction um but i would say in in most cases in the majority of cases uh, people who church hop or people who uh, leave, are, they're just carnal. Um, at the very best, they're people who have not been discipled well and don't have a biblical worldview when it comes to uh, church and church membership and um, serving Christ at the very best. At the worst, they're just lost and they want to go somewhere that makes them feel good. And um, I think I've probably seen examples of both at various times. I mean, there's some people who have left our church who I think truly are believers, but I think maybe um, in some cases they were just spiritually mature. They just, they sat on a pew for a long time and nobody really discipled them. And then there's other cases, um, uh, which are probably the smaller cases where um, people basically evidence that they were not actually Christians. And that that's the reason why they left is because they actually, um, are enemies of God and they don't, they don't love the gospel. Um, and they well, don't, John said they went out from us because they, they were not of us. They, exactly. Had they been of us, they would have remained. Exactly. And so I've seen that happen, but, but I would say that that's probably in the minority of cases, you know, um, sometimes you just have people, I mean, you know, we've had people leave that maybe, uh, they're getting up in years and they've got family at another church and they say, Hey, you know, I'm in, I'm at the end of my life. Uh, we had one member say that, you know, I, I don't have a whole lot longer and I really want to go and be with my family. Mm-hmm. And uh, while we may not have agreed with that particular church on everything, they were preaching the gospel. And so we told her, we understand that. And, and that's fine if that's what you want to do. Um, and so there's those cases and, and that still hurts. You know I mean? You don't, you don't want anybody to leave really. Mm-hmm. And, and even for people who, uh, who leave that maybe cause difficulties or whatever, you, you know, your desire is always, uh, unity and restoration and those kind of things. And, and you never you never want there to be some kind of conflict that causes anybody to leave, whether it's a pastor or a church member. Um, but inevitably, sometimes those things happen. Yeah, and that's um, a good segue into our next segment. Um, you mentioned it, conflict. Because if you're in the pastorate, if you're in the ministry, on a staff somewhere at some point, count on it. As Pastor Dennis pointed out, there will be conflict. I mean, there was conflict even on Paul's missionary journeys uh, where John Mark just up and quit. And then Paul and Barnabas uh, have their, they're falling out. So uh, it happens in ministry and you're going to have that church member. You're going to have that deacon. You're going to have that staff member who, uh, man, it just comes to an impasse and somebody's got to go. It may not be your fault. It, it may be circumstances that are out of your control, but things have changed between you and that person. The relationship is not the same, and there's conflict involved. So obviously we know the Bible gives us a, um, a guideline for how to deal with that, Matthew 18. You know, uh, We're supposed to follow those guidelines. But um, let's talk for a minute about, about conflict because um, I'll be honest with you guys. I've been in those situations where uh, it's been um, irreconcilable differences or it's been uh, things that have just built up over time. People are unhappy. Um, You've implemented some changes that they don't like. And 
they might even pull this card. Well, you know, uh, I'm not giving anymore as a bargaining chip to try and get you to, uh, you know, see things their way. And then they threaten, well, I'm just going to leave. So you, you get all of those tactics, but um, conflict comes. So in those situations, how do we deal with that? Um, what what experiences have you guys had that's, that's helped you? Uh, give us some wisdom. Talk to that guy out there right now who is dealing with that in his church. He's got that deacon. He's got that staff member. He's got that church member. And, man, it, it, it doesn't look good. Well, you, you have a responsibility to reach out to them and to mm-hmm. attempt reconciliation. You've got to guard your own heart, not to be bitter or vengeful or angry. You've got to realize that in their spiritual condition, there's a real need that's there. Uh, and, and so that's why God has us there. So that's our responsibility. But then what I'm not responsible for that I also need to, to come to grips with is that if I make the effort at reconciliation, if I go through the process of Matthew 18, uh, that sort of thing, that then it's up to them. The ball's in their court and they may still, you know, refuse to repent or to be reconciled. That, that's not a, uh, something that I have to carry with me and lose sleep over. Uh, even although, though you might. Uh, even, though, even though I probably yeah. will. Because it hurts. Sure. Because you've sure invested in that person. Sure. Absol- you've preached absolutely. to them. You've, you've visited. You've prayed with them. Absolutely. You helped them bury somebody, and yet you, you can't come together in unity anymore. And it hurts. But if you're not careful, what will happen is it will bleed over into other relationships. It'll In your home life, you'll end up, you know, uh, in – you and your wife arguing, uh, you'll kick the dog when the dog's done nothing, <laughs> you know, all those sorts of things that, that will, that will happen. And, and you want to always leave the door open that maybe in the future that that person could come back and be reconciled, or at the very least that your personal relationship, that there wouldn't continue to be that ill spirit that, that you, that you would feel. So we're responsible for that. We can't fix the other person. And for sure, we can't compromise if it's things that we know God wants us to do. Um, and and so uh, we just have to press ahead and, and be willing to pay the price for mm-hmm. that. Sometimes the price is the exit of people that we would love to have, but they become uh, barriers instead of uh, bridges to get mm-hmm. where, we, where we need to go. In that case, we say, Bless your heart, praying for you, love you. See you later. So um, I'm not trying to put words in your mouth here, Dennis, but would you say (laughs) that there are some situations in which the exodus of a certain person or a family is a blessing to your church? Could you say that? Ultimately, absolutely, it it could be, and it could be a blessing to them too. They might end up in a place where they're more comfortable. I'll I'll just give you, uh, you know, an example there are churches out there that in their worship style, uh, they may be very traditional, very, you know, Southern gospel, whatever. Amen. That's, well, and you know, that's, that's fine, but that's not where we are. And that doesn't, uh, it's not the demographic that we're trying to, trying to reach. But, uh, you know, on that, if somebody is, is not going to be content, constantly upset, you know, feeling like they can't be there. Let, let them go worship where they're, you know, they feel like they can tune in. And it's not it maybe about personal preferences, but also may just be that that this is, is their comfort level. And, and, and that's to me, that's OK. Uh, let, let them do that. But 
you can't just cater and say, well, we're for the sake of one person, we're going to, mm-hmm. you know, abandon mm-hmm. where we feel like God's, God's leading us. And so it may be to their benefit. They may go plug in, do great, do awesome. And, uh, and we'll do the same thing as we continue to move forward as God leads us. Yeah. And you, you talked about that poisoning other areas, uh, of your ministry and your, your life. And sometimes, uh, when those differences lead to somebody leaving, it can actually be a blessing to your church because that person was stirring up discord or sure. just being a gossip or they couldn't be counted on for the mission of the be church. counted on whatever. And as you see them leave, yeah, it hurts. But in the long run, you kind of see the healing take place and you see, wow, that, that person wasn't not good for the unity of the church and the, and the church actually prospers because of that. And I'm sure that uh, there's some uh, new Testament a precedent for that. Blessed subtraction. Yes. We call it. <laughs> now, um, let's talk for a minute about church discipline. Um, not a popular thing uh, these days. I don't think it ever is popular, but it's necessary because there are those situations where um, if you are a man of God who truly believes in standing by the truth, you're going to come to those situations where you're going to have to hit a challenging topic with somebody and they're not going to like it. And it's very possibly could mean to mean that they will be leaving. I had a situation like this happen uh, early on in my ministry at, at Liberty. Uh, I had a, a situation where I had a teacher uh, in, a, in a prominent position and uh, found out that this person was not living the way that they should be. They had moved in and shacked up with somebody, found out about it, questioned them. They admitted to it. And I said, well, obviously I, I can't allow you to continue to teach in that uh, venue in that classroom, knowing that, you know, you're living this way. Uh, and uh, we had to go through some church discipline and we had to ask that person to step down. And so uh, I'm sure you guys have uh, experienced that a little bit as well. Uh, but that's a situation where you have to draw a line in the sand and you have to stay with the truth of God's word and you're going to lose them. But ultimately, um, God can bless you for your stance. Um, now my question to you guys is it, when you're in that situation, how do you go about expressing that to your congregation? Uh, because that can be tough when you bring that news up to your church that, Hey, we've had a situation with this person or this teacher, this deacon, this staff member, and, um, we've had to enact some church discipline and ask them to leave. Um, how do you go about that? Well, I haven't, <clears throat> Talking about conflict, um, obviously I've been a lead pastor for about a year and a half now. And um, the initial conflict that I, I felt was the moment that they said that I was going to be the interim. And um, I thought everybody was going to like me, everybody's going to like my ideas, and that was not the case. Um, but going to the church discipline thing, I almost had to do that with an entire group of people. <laughs> Uh, in in a sense, because some of their positions, um, was not biblical at Mm -hmm. all. And, and so there was multiple times and meetings that I would slide a Bible across the table and ask them to show me where that was in scripture, Mm -hmm. um, that I needed to reach people with money, that I didn't need to reach the community, that it was his church, not God's church. I mean, Mm -hmm. it was, it was blatant. Um, things and it was a whole kind of group of people, and so 
the way I handled it, and again, it wasn't, I mean, I handled it a little bit on an individual basis, but you, you have to be biblical. You right. have, I mean, that sounds weird, but you have to be biblical. You have to stand on God's word because if it gets into like this preferential thing, you don't stand a chance. Um, but you have to be biblical. And if the people understand that you're biblical and that you're not twisting things for your own agenda, but that you are truly um, standing on God's word, then there's not going to be a whole lot that they can do, mm-hmm. especially if they see it and the other people saw it. And so um, I think, you know, the light shines in the darkness and brings yeah. out, you know, the darkness. So um, that's the way that, again, I haven't dealt individually with church discipline, bringing somebody up for church. Mm-hmm. Like that. I haven't dealt with that yet, mm-hmm. um, but I have dealt with, Group, like I said, a group of people and talking about they left. Um, mm-hmm. and, it, and it was, I'd say it, but it was a blessing from the unity standpoint. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes you, know. you can't put a dollar value on that, even though you know, yeah, that person may be a big giver or whatever, but yeah, you might lose that, that tithe. But hey, you can't put a price tag on unity and, and those kinds of things. So let's uh try and land this plane. Uh, well, can I say something? Yeah, go quick. ahead, Ben. Um, so on a, on a practical level, um, if, if you have the title of pastor, but you're not leading the church, then you can forget about church discipline because you'll be the one getting put out. (laughs) And unfortunately in the majority of churches, according to their bylaws and their government structure, um, usually the pastor is actually not the one in authority in the church. Usually there's deacons or families or others that, you know, when the rubber meets the road, they're calling the shots. And so, um, on a practical level, uh, obviously we have to stand on God's word, but a lot of times when you have conflicts, it's because you're dealing with people that don't believe in God's word. And so you can stand it on it all you want, but if you're in a church full of carnal people or lost people that have voting power, then standing on the word just basically just convicts them more of their sin and causes them to lash out against you which is the reason why the average turnover is like two to four years for a pastor because he gets in there long enough to get through the honeymoon period and then tries to do something biblical and gets run out. And that happens a lot. Um, so on a practical level, for example, uh, the, the way that we're able to practice church discipline is in order to be a member of our church, you have to agree with our statement of faith. And you also sign a church covenant, which a lot of Baptist churches, even the older Baptist churches have a church covenant. And so when you exercise church discipline, you're basically doing that ultimately on the authority of God's word, but also with the fact that that person themselves has agreed to the church's statement of faith and to that church covenant. And so if they're doing something uh, that violates that church covenant or, or violates the statement of faith, then they understand going into membership that that's grounds for their membership to be removed. And we explain that to people. So I I did a membership interview Sunday and I explained to this person, you need to understand that when you say that you're agreeing to this, that if at any point you don't agree with it, you need to let us know. And if at any point your life demonstrates that you are in a violation of this, that we're going to bring that to your intention and we're going to ask you to repent and correct course. And if you don't do that, the, the, the final end of that can be excommunication. And, um, and that's the grounds that you do it on. And so when you have that understanding in the membership, then when you do have to bring those issues up, everybody's kind of on the same page of, Hey, 
You guys remember that agreement that we all yeah, agreed together? No. Right. Yeah, we all agreed together that we weren't going to do these things. Yeah. This person's doing this thing, and we've confronted them about it, and they don't care. Right. And we told them when they came into the church that this is what was going to happen. And so now we're keeping our word that um, we're not going to allow people who are in unrepentant sin to have the power to vote and make decisions in the church. And that uh, not only that, but by because our church covenant basically includes essential Christian doctrine that essentially this sin is so grievous that this person is basically proving that they're not a Christian by their life. Mm-hmm. And so our church is only our church membership is only comprised of Christians. And so if at any point you reveal that you are not a Christian, then you should also not be a church member. Um, and, and, and so that's kind of the way that we go about it now. If you're in an established church and you're starting that, that's you're not going to do that on day right. one. I mean, it takes a long time of education and everybody being on the same page, everybody understanding that. And even then, when you begin it, it's extremely hard. Um, God was fortunate to us in in hindsight that the first time that we had to excommunicate somebody, it was a very um, uh, horrible experience <laughs> because we kind of just got it out of the way. And I know that sounds bad, but it was God was being gracious to us by. Um, essentially destroying any kind of uh, pride or concern for our reputations that we had because we just had a choice of, um, like you said, the, the pressure of, you know, this person's a tither and they're influential in the community mm-hmm. and all these bad things can happen. And, and what are they going to say about us and what are they going to say about the church? And so when we laid all that down on the altar and said, okay, I'm I'm basically crucifying my ministry and my reputation and everything else by doing what the Bible says to do, that was actually extremely helpful to our church because now, you know, I mean, it's not like we're kicking out people every week, but if there's an issue that we need to bring to the attention of the church, it's kind of like, okay, you know, like, uh, well, it's not as bad as uh, some other things that we've had to deal with, you know, but, but at the same time, I've also seen church discipline in several instances in more instances than it goes wrong. I've seen it go right. And I, I've seen people, you know, I have people even in my congregation now who we confronted about sin and they said, uh, yeah, we do want to repent. We need some help. Mm -hmm. And we've been able to pastor those people and and God is actually Mm -hmm. using that. Um, We've seen people where we uh, uh, publicly uh, rebuke someone for their sin and there were other church members that confessed sins to each other and got right with each other because they didn't want to be there. It's amazing what the Holy Spirit does when you actually obey the Word. Yeah, and it's hard. I'm telling you, I mean, it's it's the the worst times that I've had in ministry have been having to deal with those kind of things. And I hope that it's a very, very uh, unusual thing for me to do for the rest of my ministry. But at the same time, as far as the health of the church, like Adam was talking about, I mean, I would not trade the fruit that has come in our church for anything, for any amount of money, any amount of people. Um, it, it's it's totally worth it as hard as it is. Mm-hmm. But you have to be very wise and very careful because mm-hmm. um, it's also a really good way to, to blow up a potentially good ministry. And the trend now with guys our age is to just go in their guns blazing on a witch hunt of, you know, every single deacon in this church is lost and they all need to get put out of the church. And it's like, you know what? That that might be true in a lot of cases, but man, if you go in like that, you're, you're not being wise, mm-hmm. you know, uh, uh, be excellent at what is good and innocent 
uh, you know, of evil. Be be a, as wise as a serpent and as innocent as a dove. You know. <laughs> well, and, and discipline is meant to be loving and corrective and restorative. That's mm-hmm. exactly right. It's not just about getting rid of problem people. It is about helping those folks come to grips with their problems and and be helped. And that's the whole purpose of the body. And it's a painful thing, just like when you get sick, uh, you know, and, and you start running a fever. You think, well, that's a bad thing. No, it's not a bad thing. It, it is something been triggered by your immune system that's fighting against that virus that's invaded your body. And so in the same way, when we go through those painful things in church life, having to deal with those problems, uh, you know, we can get to feeling pretty bad, but ultimately is for the good of the body as a, a whole uh, to do that, maintain the health of the congregation. This has all been great, um, and I've benefited from just listening to you guys, and I hope that our listeners have as well. If you're out there in ministry, you're on the front lines, you are fighting these battles we are here with you. We know the pain. We know the struggle. We know how it hurts uh, when people leave. But sometimes, um, as Dennis pointed out, it's part of the body cleanse. So let's wrap up. Let's land this thing. And guys, let's go around the table and talk to the pastor out there right now who's struggling with this. They've seen somebody leave, a family leave, a deacon leave, or whoever. How are you going to encourage them right now? What word would you give them? Well, what I would say is that all of God's uh, great champions have had those times of loneliness and disappointment, uh, whether it be, you know, Elijah under the juniper tree or mm-hmm. Paul in prison wondering, you know, is anybody even going to bring me a coat? And this, I'm just freezing to death here. Uh, and, and on and on we could talk about uh, those. But the reality is that, that God was with them. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Paul finds himself in Corinth in a pagan, very difficult place, the Lord gives him a pep talk and says, you know, I've got a lot of people in this city, you know, so don't mm-hmm. be afraid, Paul. I know what I'm up to. And so I think we always have to fall back to that, the promises of God uh, coming to him, pouring out our heart. There, There's just a great power that comes when in our weakness we cast ourselves upon the Lord and trust him to lift us up. That's great. Adam, encourage that guy out there or that lady out there right now who's dealing with this. Your mission's to be faithful. Your mission's to not numbers, not pleasing man, but to just be faithful to what God's called you to. And um, if you can stick with that and let God do his thing and you get out of the way, great things can happen. And so... It's personal testimony. <laughs> Brother Ben, got a word for uh, somebody out there struggling? Yeah. Um, Romans eight eighteen, Paul says, uh, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. Amen. And I think we, we have to keep that in mind that um, when those things are difficult or that, that depression is there or there's that sadness there, as long as you're making decisions that at the end of the at the end of your ministry you're going to look back and be faithful, like Adam said, then you need to trust that that God does know what He's doing, that He's working in that person and He's working in you, and that He's going to complete that good work that He began. And finally, my word of encouragement to you is Revelation chapter one. You see that image of Jesus Christ walking among the lampstands, and hey, He's still 
walking among his churches today. He has you in the palm of his hand, pastor, leader, mm-hmm. church member out there. And if Christ is walking among the lampstands, uh, you're looking to him and he's your source. He's the one that ultimately you're going to give an account to and be faithful to. And uh, just take courage and hope in that, that in the good, the bad, the ugly, when people come and when people go, Christ is there, same yesterday, today, and forever, walking among his people. You can continue the conversation online by visiting us on Facebook at facebook.com slash the number four horsemen. Don't forget to tell your friends and enemies about the podcast and be sure to subscribe and review. They look at me funny when I talk like I got a speech impediment. Homie, check my passport. Heaven, I'm a resident. Like a conscious rapper, but do more than bash the president. I see brothers coughing, so I hit them with the medicine. On the other side, they say their grass is greener. Seen the forecast, man, they calling for Katrina.